This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. All right, welcome into the podcast, everyone. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and joining me is the Chief Growth Officer of Kensai, Sunny Niyogi. Sunny, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Tyler. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be here. We are so happy to be talking to you today, Sunny. And today we're going to be talking about the growing world of AI in healthcare. And so as we discuss this, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the different ways that healthcare continue to grow and take root um, in the healthcare industry. So uh, first of all, let's just start off by talking, Sunny, just what makes healthcare such a fertile industry for AI to really take root and, and to grow in? That's a great question, Tyler. And, you know, it's it's a fascinating evolution of what's happening in healthcare. You know, in, in my role, it's been my privilege to talk to, you know, hundreds of leaders in healthcare across the world from, you know, I'm in Seattle, right here in our backyard, there are some amazing health systems across the United States, and even in you know places like UK, the Nordics, Singapore and Asia pack, right? And we might think that these are all different economies, but you know, healthcare is such a fundamental human reality that it is it, the same kind of evolution is happening no matter where you go, right? And there are three things we see that's driving the adoption or the interest in AI in healthcare, right? And all three of them are fairly universal, right? You know, first and foremost, you know, the human population is growing, people fall sick the same way people used to fall sick when we had half the human population, right? And the space of doctors coming into healthcare is just not as much as the pace of human growth, right? So what we are seeing is that there is just not enough capacity for, you know, health systems to serve all of us, all 7 billion of us, right? So at a fundamental level, there is a capacity constraint, right? So the question becomes, can we do something to make our doctors more productive, right? Can we have a doctor in United States, you know, today looks at a patient for 11 minutes, right? That's just too little, right? Can we, can we free up some of those repetitive tasks and get the doctors to get more context, to look the patient in the eye, and really understand what's happening beyond what the person is saying, right? And AI has a great promise there in automating, you know, things that doctors do, you know, at a repetitive way, right? Say, for example, translating notes into software, right? Uh, doing basic natural language processing, right? The doctor spent so much time clicking software, entering data. Can we use AI to automate that, right? So that that's one big, big opportunity for healthcare in AI. The second one is, again, going back to the supply constraint, right? You know, if you fall sick with diabetes, right, you would spend a significant amount of your time as a patient in interacting with healthcare and a doctor and you know, a bunch of caregivers will be helping you manage your diabetes, right? And there is not much you can do after your diabetic, but if using data and analytics, you can predict saying, you know, Sunny, you are pre-diabetic, right? And in three years, unless you change your lifestyle, you are going to get diabetes. And in 10 years, if you don't you know, change your lifestyle and diet, your kidney is going to start to fail, right? That is in invaluable, right? You, you know, you intervene three years ahead, spend 30 minutes with the patient, saves you, you know, 300 hours per year with a patient three years later, right? That is an, am an amazing, um, you know, impact of AI and predictive analytics in healthcare, right? So those are the two big reasons why we see AI coming into healthcare. The third big aspect is that, 
you know the, the quantity and the body of medical knowledge is you know doubling up every 70 or 80 days or so right it used to double every 150 years till about 15 20 decades back right today it it doubles up every 70 days and you know digitization is playing a role big data is playing a role just our you know the the fact that we are capturing more data and medical literature is advancing and there are so many smart people thinking about it it's just bringing together such a huge body of knowledge it's humanly impossible for uh, any one person to have all of that at their fingertips, right? So AI does a great job in abstracting all those lessons and learnings, going through medical literature, going through other studies, going through other trials that has happened in different corner of the world. And if the data is accessible, you really can let the software assist the doctors in saying, this, look, this has happened, this evidence is there. You know, it's almost like a discovery process you would do in a legal context. Now you can do it, do the discovery for literature and the discovery for innovation at a global scale for at a patient level interaction, right? So then that that's the knowledge supply of knowledge that's driving bigger, you know, a, a more stronger embrace of AI and data in healthcare. Is AI an intimidating topic for some in that healthcare field? I know that um, maybe you know with, with with doctors and with people like that, they might not necessarily feel as comfortable with that type of technology. So when they hear it, it's something that uh, might be kind of outside something that they've worked with in the past, and so they hear it and they think uh, that's that's not something that I want to I want to deal with or I, I want to rely on. I want to rely on my own knowledge and that sort of thing is that something that you've seen at all just that it, it can be intimidating at first for some uh, you know very surprisingly you know i am not a doctor right i came into this uh, from a technology background right that was my initial hypothesis that it's going to be super hard to have a deeply technical and mathematical conversation with you know doctors for example right as turns out that's not entirely true right doctors by 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 their training and by their practice are very evidence driven right they love data they love math they love the truth of statistics right i think you know they are fundamentally driven towards trusting things once they see the data right and you know if ai is presented in that context saying here is what data is telling us here is what it is here is the math around it I have seen doctors and caregivers in general to be incredibly welcoming to that conversation, right? I think where we have gone sideways and perhaps done a disservice to AI is, you know, um, a lot of AI that is thrown at health system today doesn't stand on the basis of peer reviews and true honest data. There is, you know, so much marketing and sales and venture capital dollars flowing into the space that sometimes people get ahead of themselves right you know selling or you know not forget selling but you know using ai in healthcare is very different from using you know uh, another cool piece of technology that looks and sounds cool right uh, yes ai is cool but ai is uh, and math is also very true and honest and evidence driven right i think if we if we stay to that stay that course doctors and nurses and you know any kind of caregivers are very welcoming and very willing to have a deeper conversation but if we treat ai as a shiny bullet it's not intimidating as much as it is a turn off for doctors right because you know they don't have time for another shiny bullet there is just too little time for any of this fancy terms and fancy campaigns and for fancy you know marketing for the doctors to care about right so in that that's been my my you know, experience and i'm sure there are many different you know perspectives to it but you know my, my my perspective has been they are very willing and welcoming if we stick to the data and the evidence and then they turn off if we stick to the gimmicks and the noise which i think is the right way to do it yeah absolutely and i, and I think to go along with that 
um, it also has to fit into their normal workflow and the normal way that they do things and and kind of integrate seamlessly into their everyday processes because they also probably don't have time to uh, go for five minutes and go use another tool or whatever. So, so are you able to incorporate it quickly and easily and efficiently into the pre-existing um, healthcare system and the pre-existing uh, methods that doctors use to treat patients? Oh, another fantastic question. I don't know. I've pondered about this a long, long time. You know, fundamentally, our business at ScanSight, right? We we kind of try to build what we call a system of intelligence, meaning it's like a Intel chip that sits inside, uses existing data, does the math, and then gives out very specific assistive insights to the doctor, right? Now, you know, that that's who we are. That's what we do. So, you know, at a fundamental level, we believe in what you just said, saying, you know, this is not a separate application. It's not a separate destination. You go to the, the, the promise of AI, the assistance that AI can provide should be surfaced in the context of your existing workflow. Right. So that you know, at, a, at a very fundamental level, I believe in that. Right. But the right analogy I want to kind of share with our audience is, you know, think about uh, your car. Right. You had manual transmission, then you had automatic transmission. Now you have autopilot, right? Um, and what what happened was autopilot is basically saying that you know take your hands off, I will run this for you. In the technical context, it's like robotic process automation, right? Neither is healthcare ready for it, nor is the data ready for it, and neither are we at a as a, as a general industry there where we can automate. Uh, AI in clinical context. It's a very dangerous thing to go and do today, right? Because it's just, you know, AI and the decision-making process is nowhere close to replacing doctor uh, or any of those stuff, right? Uh, in certain areas, it might happen in 30 years, uh, but in the near term, it's not going to be there, right? So what we can best do is to, you know, switch out the manual gears for automatic gears, saying, look, I'm going to assist you in, in giving you this insight that might have been very hard for you to gather and you know, a, a, a computer never sleeps, right? It's not going to have a fatigue of decision-making. It's not going to have a bias of emotion and all that stuff, right? So, you know, at, at best it can help automate and be uh, help assist, right? Saying, we believe that Sunny is at higher risk of diabetes. Here are the evidence. Can you, you know, do what you have to do, Mr. Or Mrs. Doctor, right? So I think that's, that's what is the right frame for it. So, you know, put it in the workflow, but put it as an assistive model not as an automation and you know uh, robotic process automation and any of those fancy stuff that takes a doctor or a caregiver out of the loop or forces them to go to a different context to consume all of this right that that's that's fundamentally where we see ai in healthcare land today very well absolutely so for healthcare providers um, that are looking at this and, and saying, okay, AI is the way of the future for healthcare. We understand this. How can they begin to uh, take those first steps and find funding for something along these lines and, and, and really uh, begin this process? You know, that's that's a billion dollar question and I'll tell you why, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I was reading this HIMSS uh, uh, survey that they ran Hims Media and they survey after the Hims uh, conference, right? And you know, surprisingly, almost 50 to 70 percent of the larger health systems, you know, generally speaking, a billion dollars or above, right, are on a path to using AI in in various aspects of running a hospital or caring for patients and such, right? So, as a, as an industry, I think we are waking up and warming up to the promise of AI, right? But the other, the flip side of that survey was also that, you know, more than 70% of the customers uh, and health systems get stalled in figuring out where to start, 
right? It's like it's it's a, and there are two three things happening. Right? There is a kid in a candy store problem, saying you know there are so many things we can do. Which one do we do first, right? The second thing is just having clarity and maturity of data in doing uh, this very data-driven mathematical process, right? You know the worst thing you can do is you know tune this uh, this this AI thing on bad data, right? Then all you're going to do is to make the wrong decision with higher precision, which is not going to help anybody, right? And, you know, healthcare data is at various levels of, you know, being messed up, right? Some systems have really clean, good data, some, most systems don't, right? So, you know, you, there's little point in doing advanced analytics on poor data, right? Because, you know, particularly in machine learning, which is what we focus in, you know, you are essentially going to train the, train the uh, models and train the machine on the wrong kind of things, right? So you don't want to do that, right? So, you know, so there, there are a couple of things that stall people out, right? And what we have learned is that you know the right way to think about this is to not think about AI first right very surprisingly you know nobody wakes up saying we need AI and that's the truth of it right you either wake up if you are in the hospital leadership thinking about you know how do I drive ROI for my business and how do I drive better care for my patients right and under those two big umbrellas you have a whole bunch of BI and basic data that you know people look at every day right so if you have BI if you have clean data AI is a great place to start, you know, go next so that you can get to ROI, right? So we kind of, you know, collaborate with our, with our, you know, partners and customers in saying that this is a journey, right, from BI to AI to ROI. And where you start the journey is figure out those places where you look at a lot of data today, right, in just in terms of BI, right, and use AI and predictive analytics and machine learning and whatnot, right, to get that thing better. Right. And there are some things that you can do easily. There are some things that take a long time to do. Right. So I'll, I'll give you two very, you know, general anecdotes. Right. One is, you know, you can you can apply AI to, you know, uh, patient care. You can basically you know, take the diabetes example. Right. Saying, can I use AI to figure out who's going who is pre-diabetic today and who might get diabetes three years ahead of the curve. Right. Now, you know, if you do that, you, you got to you know collaborate deeply with your uh, with your doctors and your caregivers to figure out what's the right intervention. Then you need the right kind of data. And, you know, that's, that kind of data doesn't exist with every health system, right, depending on their business model. So while that might sound very exciting, that might not be a great place to start because the data is not clean. You know, the, the, the change management process is going to take 18 months to put in practice, right, um, and which is which is you know, not a bad time, right, because you need evidence to get all this figured out. But while that is happening, you can take some more, you know, very mundane problems, which we call the meats and potatoes problem. And those kind of problems can exist, like, you know, how many staff do I need in my emergency department room, right? How do I schedule surgeries better, right? Uh, things like that, right? That That is not clinically in nature, but is practiced within hospitals, right? These are, you know, heads and beds problems, so to speak, right? Very supply chain issues, literally like running a factory, right? saying how many nuts do I need to order so that I can ship three Boeing jets two weeks from now, right? That, that is clean math. That is clean supply chain, right? Use AI on that where the data is clean, the process is simple, and you can see quick ROI. And that creates two things. It creates organizational um, confidence in saying this can drive value for us. And B, it also creates infrastructure over time, saying the data is starting to move to a place where we can look at it together and we can, you know, today we can solve for emergency department, but using the same data, I can go to the, you know, the acute beds and figure out how to optimize for, you know, length of stay and things like that, right? So, you know, start on the more operational side of AI, you know, use the first couple of, you know, AI initiatives to see enough ROI so that you can fund bigger, bigger, longer term problems, right? And we call this internally as a transform well-performed model. 
So you, you should not think about AI as a, you know, here, here, are, here is, you know, $100 million to do AI, right? Start, start with a much, much smaller number, right? An order of magnitude smaller number. Run this as, you know, 12, 12 week sprint, right? See what you get out, you know, put that in practice, get the ROI, use that ROI to fund the next set of problems and so forth, right? So think of this as a iterative journey where you start small, start agile and, and keep pushing the boundaries, right? And by the way, software works like that, you know, most software companies behave like that, you know, you know even in retail people kind of operate like that, right? Hardware two people are operating like that saying, I will, you know, it's all the lean startup concept, right? Saying we'll do something quickly, we'll get feedback, we'll see if it adds value, if it does, we're going to double down, if not, we're going to go back to the drawing board and redo it, right? And, you know, AI's uh, promise can be realized in that form or fashion in a much better way than if you go big bang and say, you know, after three years of 100 million, we may or may not see something, right? And that's just a poor model of executing on innovation. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you, you kind of start at the operational level and increase efficiency and, and maybe uh, the efficiency of, uh, of using the resources you have available in terms of of hours that people can work and uh, resources that you just have on hand. And then when you see the benefits of that, you build upon that. So once they've kind of seen the ROI after three months or so, uh, what should they begin to see after a longer amount of time? Uh, what What is that return on investment start to look like at maybe six months? That's a hard question. I'll tell you why it's a hard question. Right? Sure. A lot of healthcare is less about ROI and more about usage. Mm -hmm. And let, let, let me you know, break this down a little bit for our audience, right? Suppose we are doing, you know, suppose you're predicting the amount of nursing staff you need at the emergency department, right? And you look at a lot of historical data saying, you know, yes, you know, third week of December or second week of December, we expect a lot of, you know, fractured bones because people are trying to put up Christmas lights <laughs> and that data exists, right? Which is true, by the way, you know, the, the, I think the weekend after Thanksgiving is the highest incidence of, you know, orthopedic issues in ED because people buy Christmas lights on, on you know, the Black Friday sale and then the first week of December, first weekend after Thanksgiving, they go up on their roof to, you know, put them up, right? And then it's slippery and cold and people fall and break their bones, right? Just the logic and rhythm of life happens every year without fail, right? Most nurses know this in the back of their heads, right? But, you know, nursing turnover is high and the data is lost and people don't have context and, you know, three out of, uh, one out of three years, EDs are overflowing, there just is enough, not enough nurses, right? And, 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 and data and AI can essentially predict that for you, right? So let, let's assume that's a very reasonable, logical use of data and AI to learn from your past behavior and do something that helps drive cost, right? So, you know, so how you track the success of this you know, is the next time you're going to see an impact of this is a year out, right? Um, so, you know, so how do you see something coming out in six six weeks? You can't, right? But what you can is you you are starting to build confidence in the heads and minds of people who are taking those decisions, right? Saying, yes, your system said or the AI system said that this is going to happen and it actually happened. You know, kudos. Let's use this for the next problem and see if we, as you know, people who run this, trust in this, right? If this AI, this new kid in the block, says it is smart, is saying me, telling me something. I have been doing this for 30 years, right? Can I trust this, right? I think trust is barrier number one, right? Barrier number two is usage, right? Which is basically saying yes, I trust it, but it is so complicated and it's somewhere in a, you know being shown up as a shiny screen in a SaaS software that I don't have time to use it, right? And can we start using it? Can we bake this into people's workflow by the next three months, right? That is success number two, right? 
success number three is is ROI, right? And that that takes you know slightly longer depending on the nature of problem you're facing, right? But the real success, if you ask me, it would come around when patients start asking for it, right? Uh, you know, when you and I walk into a hospital and say, you know, doc, yes, I, I, I see what you're saying, but what is the data also telling us? Can you help us, right? And I think, you know, in, in 30, 50 years time frame, uh, patients will be uh, asking for AI just as they ask for good doctors. And they wouldn't be saying, I need uh, AI and I don't need a doctor. They would say, I would prefer to go to a doctor who has assistive intelligence and the power of data at his finger, his or her fingertips, right? So I think you know, that that change will take a while. And I think that is the true impact, right? And like in 10 years, you know, when you go shopping for a car, you would ask for an autonomous vehicle, right? And that is the true impact of AI in self-driving cars, right? It is going to be the same in healthcare, right? Where patients would, you know, choose health systems that use AI, that use data and all the promise of it, right? But till we get there, we will have to kind of, you know, go through this rigmarole of figuring out how to earn trust, how to get people to use it, how to get it mathematically correct, how to drive value for the business and all that stuff, right? So it's just, you know, short term, there are things you can do, but in long term, it becomes the default way of consumer choice. And that, that's what's very exciting for us. Absolutely. Do, do you think that there is an aspect of this where, um, where the greater public can be educated a little bit on AI and healthcare. So then that is something that they ask for. And that is something that down the road, uh, they will kind of expect out of healthcare providers. I believe so. Right. But I don't think that it will be much of an education. It will be more of experience. And let, let me, you know, kind of draw the line in, you know, between those two. Right. Education is when you sit me down and you tell me, right. Experience is when I come to you and I consume this and say, wow, right, which, you know, one is a push model, one is a pull model, right, and I think, you know, technologies like AI, or for that matter, any amazing technology, right, works well on a pull model, right, you know, I am on, you know, social network because 10 of my other friends are there, right, nobody sat me down, Facebook didn't, you know, do a course or a thing saying, why Facebook, right, they just put it out in the open and people started consuming it, saw the value, talked to their friends, and everybody kind of got there, right, I think AI's uh, adoption would kind of follow a similar curvature, where you know i you know when i stop diabetes in my life i will go talk to my friends right and my friends will go talk to their doctors say hey my, my 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 friend went to this doctor the doctor told him that in three years they will have diabetes and then he did this yoga class and got on this diet and started walking you know fifteen thousand steps a day and you know he's not having diabetes why aren't you talking to me about something like that right i think that is how it will kind of become more mainstream from a consumer and a patient perspective and I think it will go very similarly from a health system perspective, where you know some of the early adopters of AI are talking about it. And a lot of our customers, you know, I think we had four or five of our customers at HIMSS talking about how AI has impacted their business and their patient outcomes, right? And I can tell you that each of those sessions had you know 50 or 60 other health system listening in, and you know 10 of them walked up and said, "We want this. Why aren't we doing this?" Right? Uh, and I think that's how it will spread. I'm not sitting any of them down saying this is why you should do AI. Right. I, I'm hoping and I'm betting that, you know, the success we are seeing with our customers breeds more success with people who are not our customers. Today. And it's just not a Kensai thing, right? I think that's that's going to be true for anybody who's working on AI today, right? That initial success, successful evidence of impact of AI is going to drive more demand and more adoption across the market, both from our business perspective as well from a patient and consumer perspective. 
and I guess as you're talking about that and explaining it, I'm kind of starting to see it as a cyclical thing. So if somebody goes into a healthcare provider and sees a doctor and they're using AI and they're able to predict a little bit more about maybe uh, somebody's healthcare future. So say, hey, you're at a higher risk for diabetes and you know you go and you begin to exercise more and you uh, kind of take steps to become healthier. Um, and then I explain that to my friend and then they go see that doctor. Well, not only is that doctor able to more efficiently see their patients, but also now word of mouth is spreading that this is a, this was a good experience, which then uh, also helps increase that ROI because now I've sent my friend to that same doctor who was maybe going to a different doctor before. Absolutely, right? Because, you know, that the if you can add value with AI or any other technology, right? You know, it's going to create differentiation. It's going to create impact, higher quality, cheaper price, better outcomes, all of that, right? And, you know, any business works like that. If I, if I can, you know, create more value for my consumers, I will over time get more consumers, right? So that that's what's going to happen in healthcare too. The, cost, the health systems that use these technologies better to drive better outcome are going to corner the market over time. And people who don't use this are going to be left behind, right? It's, it's just how, you know, free markets work. It's, it's working everywhere in the world the same way, right? Better health systems attract more customers, right? Uh, and, and so on and so forth, right? And AI is going to help them even serve more customers. So it's going to become a self-fulfilling cycle of sorts where, you know, you innovate with AI and then you free up uh, capacity with AI. And it's it's going to be, a, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be brutal from a business perspective where, you know, you suddenly have, have the ability to differentiate and ability to serve at scale, right? So, you know, today tech markets work like that, right? As in, you know, in every category, there are two or three clear winners and everybody else is, is either dying or, you know, getting merged or acquired or whatnot, right? So I think health systems will also evolve the same way where there, are, there will be clear leaders in every market that can differentiate within using AI, using better care protocols by serving more people at scale. And then the folks who cannot and will not, uh, you know, will not embrace these changes, will see themselves priced out of the market or just, you know, pushed out of the market, right? And that, that's how it should be. That drives down costs, that creates better market dynamics, and we can't wait for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you mentioned earlier, AI is the, the way of the future. And so if people aren't uh, starting that process and, and taking those first steps now, uh, then they're going to find themselves behind uh, later on. And so uh, it's important that people kind of heed that advice and really seek out the uh, seek out companies like Kenside that can begin uh, them on that journey towards uh, full implementation of AI into healthcare. Thank you. I, I really hope so. I hope so as well. Well, Sonny, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, and uh, I hope we get to do it again soon. 